Good morning. Glad to have you with us this morning. We've got some more folks coming in. Uh, joining us here in the worship center for worship today. We're glad to have all of you with us. we got folks to join us online as well. Thank you for clicking on and being with us and worshiping with us this morning. Glad to have you too. Uh, as you're coming in today, hopefully somebody handed you one of our bulletins. If you didn't get one when you walked in the door this morning, there will be extras in the lobby when we're done with worship today. Make sure you pick one up because uh, there's a lot of things going on with our church family that we want to make sure that you know about. A lot of different um, activities coming up, uh, you know, for our teenagers and, and for our church family as well. A lot of different things listed here we want you to put on your calendar and plan to be a part of. Maybe even ask other people to be a part of as well. So make sure that you get a bulletin today if you didn't get one. Um, I want to draw your attention, especially if you're a guest with us today, I want to draw your attention to this particular QR code up in the top right corner. And we'd like for you to click on that uh, right now if you would and that will bring up a form on your phone where you can fill out some contact information for us let us know who you are where you're from it also gives you a chance to uh, you know let us know a few things that you like more information about um, and so if you would do that right now we have that information from you and then we'll get whatever questions that you have we'll get those answered and uh, and let you know a little bit more about us we're not going to bombard you with phone calls and texts or come by your house or anything like that uh, we'll just maybe send you a note, say thanks for being here, thanks for being a part of our worship, and, and how can we help. So if you're a guest with us, please do that right now. It won't take but a few seconds. Just click on that QR code uh, with your phone and fill out that form. We would really appreciate your help um, with that. Uh, we will be taking communion as part of our worship time today. And when that time comes, we'll have um, some thoughts and a prayer for uh, the bread. And we'll pass out trays that have individual cups in them. And in each one of those cups, a little piece of bread. And you'll just eat the bread and put the cup back in the tray and pass it on to the next person and we'll do the same thing with the juice when that's passed around so uh, that's how we'll take communion together today so once you be aware especially if you're guests with us once you be aware that's how we'll be taking communion together we also have um, child care available for all of our second grade and younger all the way down to our little babies and so if you got kids with you that are you know toddlers preschool all the way up to second grade uh, you are welcome at any time during our worship today to take them right across the lobby to our children's check-in area and we got volunteers that are ready uh, to take care of them and so even if it's later on during worship time this morning uh, if you want to take advantage of that you're welcome to do that and they can uh, be taken care of and with activities and bible stories for them while you continue to worship with us if you want to keep your kids with you the whole time you're more than welcome to do that that's fine if it would be helpful uh, we have activity bags available that have coloring sheets and other um, things for our kids and those are also at the children's check-in area. If you just go out these doors right across the lobby, you'll be able to get one of those. So feel free to pick one up. That would help you uh, with your family as we worship together today. Uh, we're going to be singing songs together today. We're going to be praying together. We're going to be spending time with the Word together. We're going to be encouraging each other and challenging each other and being challenged by our God uh, as we worship together this morning. So I'm glad that you chose to be here today. For all the things that you could be doing, you could be working on other projects, you could be you know, other places, maybe even sleeping late this morning, but you chose to, to get up and, and come here and be a part of our worship. You chose to get online with us uh, this morning, and we're honored by your presence. We don't, we don't take that lightly. We believe that God brought you here for a reason today, and uh, we are already praying that God will reveal that purpose to you, that, that plan to you uh, as we worship together. So thank you for choosing me with us. Let's get ready to, to sing praises. Let's get ready to just put a smile on our face and be, and enjoy being together and connecting with each other as we worship. I'm going to start us off with a prayer, ask God to bless our worship, and then we'll stand together and begin praising him together. Father God, thank you so much for today. 
thank you for the blessings that you've given us this week. The, the things that we asked for and you answered those prayers. The things that we asked for and you, and you had a different answer for us. We thank you for that. We thank you for doing things that we weren't even aware of. You are such an awesome God and you, you are such an important part of our lives. And we, we just thank you so much for the opportunity this morning to be in your presence and to be able to worship you together. And God, as we spend time uh, this morning singing to you and praying to you and remembering uh, and, and focusing on the grace that you've shown us through your son Jesus and, and spending time in your word, I pray that we, would, that we would be drawn closer to you, that we would feel your presence in this place, that we would feel your presence in our hearts as we worship you together. And God, especially for those who have come here this morning or who have gotten online with us this morning who are carrying any kind of burdens, and maybe it's some physical things they need help with and prayers for, maybe there's some, some relationship issues, some emotional struggles they're dealing with, maybe some spiritual struggles, even sin and guilt in their lives. God, whatever we are carrying and, and trying to deal with on our own, would you give us the willingness this morning to share that with this church family and to share that with you so that you can alleviate that burden, so that you can set us free from it. And we leave here uh, being the, the set free and being the people that you are, are shaping us to be. So we ask you, God, to take over our worship, to, to uh, fill our hearts and, and uh, just fill this place as we worship you. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Do me a favor as we start out this morning. We're all going to stand up. So go ahead and stand up together and then just turn around to somebody next to you and just tell them, good morning, glad you're here.
Good morning, everybody. Hope you all have been having a good day so far. Hope that the wind hasn't gotten you too cold as it got me really cold. Um, I just, uh, just out of curiosity, has anybody failed a New Year's resolution? Anybody brave enough to raise their hand? Because I sure have. All right. I'm. Thank you. At least one other person like me. All right, that makes me feel at least somewhat better. Um, I am just never good with New Year's resolutions. I was over at my sister's house talking with her and her husband over dinner, and we were just discussing our different New Year's resolutions, and they have all these huge plans. My brother-in-law is going to be doing a triathlon in May. My sister's planning on reading, like, I don't know, 50 books this year, something like that, something that I haven't done in quite a while, and I, we were sitting there, and we were talking about it, and they were like, oh, do you have any New Year's resolutions, and I was like, oh, I don't really like making them, I have a few things that I want to do, but, you know, one of my plans was I was going to start waking up early in the morning before work, and, you know, eating breakfast, doing all these different things, reading my Bible, just getting ready for the morning, and, um, oh, yeah, yesterday, Christian had to wake me up at 8.05, but I was already late, um, so kind of just throwing that one out the window now, but just, I don't know, I've always been bad about resolutions. I've always hated making them because every time that I make them, I just realize how many of them I've failed over the years. Just, oh, I was meaning to go work out more this past year. I went like 10 times. I guess that's more. Um, I was meaning to read more books, and uh, I got through half a book felt good about that, and just things like that where it's, yeah, I kind of attempted it, but never really did anything with it, never really made much success through it, and so I would always come up with a bunch of these different excuses, that's how we're plugging into the lesson, and so I would always come up with these different excuses of, oh, well, I would go to the gym, but it's just so far away at this point, and I'm tired, and I haven't made dinner yet, so I'm going to do that. Or, oh, I would cook more, but I mean, I'm at least doing the, the microwave meal, so that's better than going and getting Taco Bell another time this week. Or just something like that, just something where it's like, ah, I mean, I kind of half did it. And so the thing that always hits me the most is the scriptures where – Jesus kind of hits on that, like, why are you only doing half of what you say? In Matthew 5, starting in verse 33 through 37, he says, Again, you heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. And so while my resolutions haven't been me proclaiming to the world, I swear on God's name that I will at least read two books this year. Like, it's nothing like that. It's still just an act of me saying, oh, yeah, I'll do this, kind of. And that's something that, I just am always hit by whenever I'm coming up with my resolutions for the year is 
oh, what am I going to end up failing this year? What am I only going to kind of do? What am I going to say yes to but really mean no? And so it's times like this where we're all able to gather around the table at communion, and I'm reminded of that even more because how many times have I said, God, this this time I'm going to proclaim your name to the world. I'm going to praise you in everything that I do. I'm going to be a light to the world for all those around me. And then I take the bread, I take the wine, and I just go off on my merry life and forget all about it until the next week. And so this time of communion, sometimes, and especially today, I pray that I actually mean it, that I actually allow my yeses to be yes and for the words that I say to have meaning. So everybody bow with me as we pray for the bread. Lord, we come to you today and we are a people that tend to fail at the things that we say that we want to do or the things that we will do. And Lord, I pray that you will allow us to come together as a family and just with each other in this time where we are remembering you and remembering your son, Lord. And I pray that you will allow us this chance to, to truly internalize the things that we say and the things that we desire in this time, Lord. I pray that you will allow us to go throughout our week while constantly remembering you, Lord. And I pray that you will allow this bread that we're about to take become a new base for our lives, Lord, and to take place of everything that we've said that we will but won't actually do, Lord. I pray that you will just bless us, Lord. In your name I say amen. My Jesus, I love you, I love you, for thee are the follies of sin I resign, my gracious Redeemer, my Savior. Yeah. 
there's two parties that are involved here. We come to the table and we remember the sacrifice of Jesus and we remember the blood that was shed on the cross for us, but God also comes to the table and he's here to just be with us, to comfort us and to say, I've got you no matter what. And in the end, all of this is worth it. The promises that you keep, the promises that you break, none of it matters. I'm here for you. And that's something that I tend to forget a lot. I'm a fairly forgetful person, but that's something that I try my best to remember every single week. And I love this time of communion because it's a time for us to remind ourselves of these things. So everybody bow with me and let's pray for the cup. Lord, we are just so thankful that you have decided that you would send your son down to earth to just be not only a, a reminder of us on our promises of how to live a good life for you, Lord, but also as a mercy for when we fail to live the life that you've called us to, Lord. So grateful that you have allowed perfection in human form to take the place for all of all of our failures, for all of our sins and all of our transgressions, Lord. You've allowed just sign of mercy to be all over us. And you've given us this time just to remember this and to remember the grace that we receive that we do not deserve, Lord. And I pray that you'll allow this cup to just revive us and to flow through us as new blood, Lord. Thank you just for being willing to do this just for us, Lord. In your name, Sam. Purify me, Lord, from wasted heart of you. Take away the old Make my life brand new. I surrender all to you, not my will, but. 
So before we get started, or before we have Marshall come up, we'll sing a song. But before that, if you have an F-250, a Ford F-250, and you've got a dog in the back seat, it's barking, and your alarm is going off. <laughs> so I just want to go check that out, take a look. Um, that's happening out there. All right. And if you don't do it, there's no excuse for not going. Right, Marshall? Dad jokes. All right. Um, let's stand up for one more, and then we'll have Marshall Brown. Holy words long preserved for our walk in this world. They resound with God's own heart. Oh, let the ancient words impart. Words of life, words of hope, give us strength, help us cope. This world wherever we roam, ancient words will guide us home. Ancient words ever true, changing me and changing you. We have Yeah. 
So, uh, Reese, during his communion thoughts, was already talking about, you know, excuses, things that, that uh, we say we're going to commit to, think we might commit to, uh, and then don't actually fulfill those things. And a lot of us, you know, we, we, we say, I'm, I'm gonna, this is the goal, this is what I'm going to accomplish, and then we don't do that particular thing, thing for whatever reason. But we add this other element to it where we come up with excuses for why we didn't. This is what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, right? And I want us to be thinking about those times where we actually could do something. We see an issue, we see something that, that needs to be addressed, something that, some problem that needs to be solved, and for whatever reason, we just decide, ah, it's fine. And we talked about that a little bit with this church family actually a few months ago. When we were talking about how, you know, this concept that everything's fine, but everything is not fine. When we recognize that there's things that are going on in our lives that need to be improved, something needs to be different, but we try to convince ourselves, maybe convince other people, uh, we're good. But we make excuses for that. We see an issue, and we don't do anything about it. And we, we rationalize it, we justify it, we make excuses for it. When I was, uh, when I was a student in college, there's a friend of mine, and I'm, I may have told you about this before, I don't think I have, but there's a friend of mine who had a propensity, who had a habit of pinning people in their rooms. Now, if you don't know what it means to penny a door, to penny somebody in their room, in the dorm rooms of our, you know, of our dorm, you know, the door would open to the inside. Well, if you're on the outside and the door is shut, you can take pennies, stacks of pennies, and wedge them between the door and the door frame. And the more that you can get stacked in there, it puts pressure on the, on the bolt, you know, when you turn the doorknob, the bolt, you know, comes out so you can open the door. You understand what I'm saying? It'll put pressure on that where that bolt can't slide out and you're basically, whoever's inside is locked in their room. I'm seeing blank stairs. It's really an amazing thing. I, like, kids, please don't try it at home, especially not to your parents. But you can penny somebody in their room. And we had a, a friend of ours that did this on a regular basis where he would just go around like late at night, like 2 o'clock in the morning, and he knew a couple of guys uh, in their room were, were sound asleep. And he would take pennies and he would start wedging them in between uh, you know, the door and the door frame. And then they get up the next morning to go to class, and, you know, you turn the doorknob, the doorknob, you know, you think you can open it, and you're just stuck. You can't get out. You're, you're locked in your room. And there were guys that would honestly, you know, miss class sometimes because they couldn't get the, the pennies out. I mean, you just got to yank really hard, or you got to be on the outside and kind of chisel those things out. So uh, he did this uh, to me and my roommate one time, except that he added an extra element to it, uh, he took a vacuum cleaner, he got into the janitor's closet on the hallway of our dorm, and he took a vacuum cleaner and put it in our room, turned it on, but didn't plug it in. It had a really long extension cord, and he ran the extension cord out of our room, plugged it in the, or waited until he shut the door, pinned the door, then plugged it in the hallway, okay? So it's about, seriously, 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm asleep, all of a sudden, bright light from those old school vacuum cleaners, you know? Bright light, huge motors, starts sounding, 
freaked me and my roommate out. And we hear laughter out in the hallway, and we're like, oh, man, we know exactly, you know, we, we knew who probably did this and go run to the door and try to pull on it, and we're stuck. And so the vacuum cleaner's still going. We didn't have the, the thought, of, you know, the, the, the mindset to turn it off. We're just, like, yanking on the door and yelling and all sorts of stuff. And we finally turned the vacuum cleaner off, and we can hear. We can hear this guy and some of his buddies outside our room laughing because we're pinning it into our room. So I call the guy next door to us, the, the dorm room next to us. I call him, like, hey, man, we're pinning in. You need to get us out. You know, come chisel the, the pennies out of our door so we can get out of our room. And I hear him get up out of his bed, and go, I hear the door open. And I hear, you know, kind of muffled voices outside. And then he calls back. I can't do it, man. I'm like, what? He's like, I can't do it. They won't let me. I'm like, dude, this guy was a 300-pound lineman on the football team. I'm like, you can do anything that you want to do. I can't do it. Sorry. Luckily, we were on the first floor of our dorm, so we crawled out the window and got it undone that way. But the whole reason I tell you that story is because I was so frustrated with this guy that lived next door to us because I knew he could do something. And he just didn't. He, either he thought it was really funny or he didn't want to mess with those guys or whatever. But he could have done something, and he chose not to. And I was really frustrated with him about that. And I, I want you to think about times when you've been frustrated with somebody else, when you knew they could work on that project, you knew they could do that particular thing that you asked them to do, you knew they saw a problem that needed to be addressed, and they just, for whatever reason, like, ah, I can't. And to come up with excuses for it. I can't get that done because, you know, fill in the blank, whatever the excuse was. And now I want you to think about times when you've done that. Because we all have, haven't we? We've all had times where we see something that needs to be done. We see something that needs to be addressed. We see a project that needs taken care of. We've been asked to do something specifically, and we come up with all sorts of excuses of why we can't, even though we can. I'm not trying to start out this morning making us all feel guilty. I just want us to be honest and be real. Like, this is something that, that a lot of us struggle with, myself included. And so as we're talking about making no excuses and, and committing to, to doing things different than what we have been doing, I want us to be thinking about how we need to stop justifying not taking action, and specifically this morning, how we're going to stop making excuses when it comes to our families. Now, I'm not going to make excuses with my family anymore. This is a new year, this is a new time, and whatever I have done to make excuses for things that I should have been doing with and for my family in the past, those excuses are, are, are gone now. And I'm going to do what it is that I feel like God is leading me to do for my family. If we think about it, there's, uh, there's so many different needs that our families have. I mean, our family, whether it's, whether it's spouses, kids, parents, siblings, we, when we're in this family unit, we have, we have certain needs. And it could be a, very, a fairly exhaustive list. I'll give you a handful this morning. Families need, every member of a family needs to feel or have a sense of safety and, and security in their home. Not just that we can lock the doors and it's a safe place to live and, and it'll keep us safe from storms, but this is a place where we can, we can be genuine, we can be real, we're allowed to share with each other. We know that, that, that people are going to take care of us, we're going to try to take care of them, there's no abuse, 
There's no ridicule. This is a safe place to be. Our families need time. We need time together. We need time with each other, working on projects together, interacting with each other, building connection and trust with each other. We need actual time from our other family members. We need affection. We need affirmation. We need somebody to give us a hug, somebody to pat us on the back. We need our family to say, I love you. I appreciate you. I see good things in you. We need those kinds of uh, things from each other. We need a sense of respect and a sense of value from our other family members, that we're not constantly tearing each other down. And I know we joke and we, and we poke fun at family members, but we need to know. I need to know in the family that I'm in, whether it's me as a parent, whether it's me as a spouse, whether it's you know, me as a kid, whatever it is, that I, I know these people value me. They respect me. And I want to do that for them. That we're not going to tear each other down, that we're going to listen to each other, and that if mistakes are made, we're going to apologize. And we're going to forgive each other. And it's not that our families don't need shelter and food and clothes and, and all those needs. But some of, the biggest, some of the biggest emotional needs, some of the biggest uh, relational needs that our families have are often the ones that, that go unmet. It's not... It's not just limited to, to spouses. I know we talk about that a lot of times with, with our marriages. I mean, that's part of it. You know, we, we have, maybe my spouse is, is, is uh, starving for affection, affirmation, a sense of value, feeling secure and safe. Maybe that's something that's missing for my kids. Maybe that's something that, that even I could be providing to, to one of my siblings. But these needs in our culture on a regular basis, or more and more, I'm not saying that the right way, they're going unmet on a more and more regular basis in our culture. A recent uh, study that, that I found um, says that 40%, 40% of children in the U.S. right now lack a strong emotional bond with their parents. And of that 40%, 25%, avoid their parents when they themselves are upset. When a child is upset, they avoid their parents because, because their parents are ignoring their needs in the first place. So when, so when, a, when a kid who, who is having problems, who is having some kind of struggle and, and wants to talk to somebody, wants to deal, deal with that in, in some way, they avoid their parents because why? Their parents are already ignoring their needs in the first place, or at least they feel that way. Of those 40% that don't have this emotional connection with their parents, 15% completely resist having any kind of relationship communication with their parents because their parents cause so their parents cause so much stress in their lives. Another study this year uh, revealed that, that close, positive family relationships that feature open communication. That significantly, significantly increases a child's likelihood to stay healthy, to avoid substance abuse, to avoid poor psychological health, to avoid risky uh, sexual behaviors, and to avoid violent relationships. And, and this particular study went on to say that it really depends on how happy those kids perceive their parents to be with each other. And whether those two parents are in the same home or even in, even in divorced 
uh, situations. As long as those two adults, those two parents have a good, healthy relationship and get along well, that, that has a direct impact on a child's social behavior, on their, on their uh, social competence, on how they perform in school, on their overall emotional health. This year, or this past year, in 2022, one study revealed that 85% of divorced couples, 85% of divorced couples cited some form of lack of commitment as the source for their problems. And that could be broken down in some different categories. Uh, you know, maybe it's just they, they, they didn't commit time uh, to each other. Maybe there was an affair. There was, a, there was distrust and, and the commitment the level of commitment was broken. Uh, maybe they never kept their word. They never did what they said they were going to do. But overall, just a lack of commitment was the source of 85% of divorces in this country. And I, I want to share these things with you because I want us to understand this is a problem, not just out there, in here, even within our church family. Here in, in this church family and in our communities, we are struggling as a culture to have close relationships with our family members. And yet, when, even when we see it, even when we recognize it in our own families, my question for, for us this morning is, do we do anything about it? Or do we just make excuses for it? I may not be committed to my family. I may not communicate very well. I may lose my temper too much. I may be abusive. I may not spend time with my family. I may not be just completely honest uh, with my spouse or with my kids. And whatever it is, I'm not meeting those needs that I just talked about earlier that, that all of our families need. And I may even see it. I may even recognize it. I may even acknowledge, man, this is a problem. But instead of being honest about it, instead of trying to actually do something about it and do something different, I just make excuses for why I don't have to deal with it. And there's a lot of, a lot of different, I guess, categories of excuses that we offer when it comes to our families. Sometimes it's an excuse of, of what I'll call uh, dismissal. I'm just, I'm just dismissing the problem. I'm blowing it off. I, I, I choose to pretend that, that whatever the issue is isn't really there. And I say things like, oh, well, you know, if, if you think this is a problem, well, this is the way I've always been. I can't change myself now. Or this is, the, this is the kind of house that I grew up in. I don't know any different. And while those things might be true, this might be the way I am. That might be the kind of house I grew up in. I don't need to use that as an excuse for not doing something different for my own family. But I'll dismiss it. I'll even say things like, ah, it's not that big a deal. All families have problems. Yeah, they do. I don't need to use that as an excuse. And when, I, when, when, I, when I'm dismissive, when I dismiss the problems, I don't actually deal with them. I actually cause my spouse, my kids, my parents to feel undervalued, to feel unimportant, to feel like they don't matter. But it's not that big a deal. Maybe it's an excuse of fatigue. Here's these things my family needs for me. Here's the, here's the time we need to spend. Here's some things that we need to get done. Here's some things we need to do different. Ah, I'm just tired. I'm worn out. I'm drained. I'm overwhelmed. I don't feel like it. 
We tried doing this before and it didn't work. And I want to acknowledge there's something to be said for feeling stressed and overwhelmed and tired. And we need to take care of ourselves emotionally. We need to take, of our, take care of ourselves, our physical health. Physically, get plenty of rest. But I can be in the habit of causing my family to feel less valued because I'm too tired to spend time. I'm too exhausted to focus on them right now. And I can use that as an excuse for not fulfilling that need for my family. Maybe it's an excuse of stress. I'm stressed out. I'm, I'm, I'm anxious. I'm worried. And I, if that's a, a constant uh, situation in my life where I'm constantly dealing with anxiety and stress and worry, then I probably need to deal with that. Maybe go to some counseling. Maybe talk to somebody. Maybe even get on some medication to deal with that. But I can also use my stress and my worry as an excuse to mask my own selfishness. I really don't want to spend time. I really don't want to do that particular activity. I really don't want to have to talk and communicate and all those kinds of things. And so I'll just talk about how stressed I am, how overwhelmed I am, how anxious I am. And hopefully you'll just accept that as, as a reason for me not engaging in, in doing things different. Maybe it's an excuse of retaliation. I, I, maybe I, I try to justify why I lose my temper or why I'm not dealing with certain things or why I'm treating somebody in my family a certain way. And it really boils down to they did something to me. She said something that was hurtful. He did something that, that bothered me. They mistreated me. They lost their temper. He did this. She did that. And because of whatever it is that they did, I feel justified in retaliating. And I'll either do the same thing back to them or I'll completely ignore and, 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 and not build any kind of communication or trust with that other person in my family. Why? Because they deserve it. They deserve, for, they deserve the payback. They, they did this particular thing to me, and they deserve for me to do it back to them. And when I'm focused on getting even with my spouse, when I'm focused on getting even with my siblings or my parents, when I'm focused on doing to them just like whatever it is that I feel like they did to me, that whole relationship becomes completely focused on, on scorekeeping and judgment and criticism. But I'll feel justified in doing it because that's my excuse. They deserve it. You know what they did to me. Maybe it's an excuse that has to deal with, you know, something else or someone else. This, this particular thing or this particular event or this particular person is really important. And maybe it's my job. Maybe it's school stuff. Maybe it's, uh, uh, you know, spending time with certain friends. Maybe it's spending time on social media. Maybe it's binge watching whatever my favorite show is. And those things really have my focus and they, they really have my attention. And I, I start saying, yeah, I, I, know, I know my family needs this. My spouse needs this. My kids need this. But, but this thing is really important. I've, I've got to do this, or I need to focus my time on this. And I'll, I'll worry about them later, but right now, this is what really matters. This person is a little bit more important. And maybe we don't want to articulate it that way. Maybe we, we, like that sounds bad, right, to say out loud. But that's what our actions demonstrate. And that's what our mindset is. I've got this thing. I've got this person in my life, and that's a little bit more important 
than they are. And, and that's okay because it's really important right now. And these are just some of the common types of excuses that I can use. When something, when something could be improved in my family, when, when our relationship could be better, and I recognize it and I sense it, but instead of dealing with it, instead of working on it, doing something about it, I just make an excuse and hope that you will accept it. But like we said, we're committing here in 2023 to making no excuses. I'm not going to make excuses anymore, right? So, so how do I get better at not falling back into the habit of just making an excuse for why I'm not being the person for my family that my family needs me to be? How do I get better at that? If I'm not going to make excuses anymore, maybe this particular thing needs to happen. I'm going to give you a handful of action steps and we'll be done this morning. Here's some things that I can start doing. And I would, I would encourage you, write these down, take a screenshot if you want to, text them to, I don't know, somebody later, put them in your notes app on your phone. Because I think these are things that we could all consistently be working on on a regular basis. And it may not be all, you know, every single one of these things that, that you in particular need to be working on. Maybe it's just one of them. Or maybe it is all of them, but we're going to start on this one this morning. But there's some things that we can be working on that will help us. If I focus on this particular action, if I focus on doing this thing better, it will help me stop making excuses for my family and start being who my family needs me to be. So number one, I need to prioritize. I need to make my family a priority. I need to move my spouse up on the list of important things in my life. I need to schedule time for my kids. I need to get off the phone and actually spend time with my parents. I need to make a conscious effort to not only schedule time, but also focus my energy, focus, focus my attention, focus my finances on my family. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, this, this may be somewhat a familiar verse for some of us. In 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8, the Apostle Paul says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, most of the time, if you've ever heard this scripture used before, or talked about in a class, or talked about in a sermon, I've, I've used this scripture in a sermon before, to talk about how we have a responsibility to financially take care of our family, to provide for our families. That's part of, of what leaders and families need to do. But if you investigate this a little further, if you go back and read this in the original ancient Greek language that this particular scripture was written in, that English word that we translate, or that phrase that we translate as provide for, that Greek word mean, literally means to think about or to plan ahead of time. So what is Paul really saying? He's not just limiting it to finances. What Paul is really saying is anyone who does not think about and focus ahead of time what would be the best thing for my spouse what would be the best thing for my kids what would be the best thing for my family whoever is not thinking about that ahead of time focusing on that ahead of time they have denied the faith it's as if they have said my faith means nothing to me because my family means nothing to me that's some strong words And it comes down to our priorities. How much does my family 
mean to me? How important are they? And if I'm not, if I'm not thinking ahead of time, as I'm looking at this week, this month, this year, about how I'm going to focus on and spend time on and energy on and, yeah, sometimes finances on my family. I'm communicating to them, they don't mean that much to me. And if I'm wearing the name of a God who treats me as his child, I'm basically communicating to him, he and being a part of his family doesn't mean that much to me. Why? Because my own family doesn't. I've got to prioritize. I've got to switch my priorities and make my family more important. I need to, I need to honor my spouse. I need to honor my parents. I need to honor my kids. Maybe even, I may even need to honor a sibling. Romans chapter 12 and verse 10 says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. And again, going back to the original Greek language, that, that word honor means to, uh, to treat something as having extreme value, something that is, that is worth a lot. I am to be devoted to one another in love and to treat one another like they have value, as if they're special. According to Dr. Willard Harley, one of the greatest emotional needs that a husband has is to feel like his wife is proud of him. And yet that seems to be, at least in our culture nowadays, one of the things that seems to be missing more and more in our culture. Watch sitcoms. Watch movies. How are husbands typically portrayed? Bumbling oafs who can't get anything right. And that starts to affect how our families view the husbands and father figures in their homes. When one of a husband's greatest needs is to feel like his wife is proud of him. How much do you honor your husband? Wives need to feel like their husbands see them as not just beautiful, that's important, but also intelligent and talented and gifted. Because those are some of the things that they so often doubt about themselves. And some of the things that... that they feel so undervalued in all sorts of different aspects of our culture, in, in the workplace and with other, with other moms, with other wives, are constantly questioning how valuable they truly are. How much do you actually communicate to your wife on a regular basis that she means something, that she's important? Kids need to stop viewing and treating their parents like they're idiots who don't know anything. Sometimes we are idiots who don't know anything. But just don't treat us that way. <laughs> they need to treat, I mean, Scripture talks about kids need to treat their parents with honor and respect. The parents need to treat their kids with the same. Parents need to help their kids know and sense that they have value, that they're important, that they mean something. Otherwise, they're going to try to find that value somewhere else. And if I'm, going to make, if, if I'm going to make a difference in my family, if, I'm, if things are going to be different from now on, I've got to stop making excuses for why I'm not taking the time, making the effort to make my family feel valued and honored. I need to start honoring my family today.
I need, I need to work on forgiveness. Instead of keeping scores, instead of holding on to mistakes and hurts, instead of continually bringing up past failures, I need to, I need to let go of that stuff and actually, actually forgive. I need to let go of hurtful words that were said. I need to let go of misplaced priorities. I need to let go of, of bad attitudes. I need to let go of mistakes. I need to stop dwelling on them and stop carrying those things with me and keeping those things in the back of my mind and waiting, waiting for that certain argument or that certain moment where I can, where I can bring that back out and go, ah, yeah, you remember the last time when you said this? Remember that one time when you did that? I need to let go of that stuff and forgive it. Going back to my college days again, I'll tell you this story real quick. Um, I wasn't always the best at, at keeping up with, you know, laundry and, and cleaning and, and things like that. And uh, so sometimes the laundry would stack up, and sometimes I would run out of socks. So for a while there, I was, I was out of socks. So you know what I did? I just went barefoot in my tennis shoes, just, you know, walked around campus. And I did that for, you know, several days. Some of you are already shaking your heads. I did that for several days. You know what happens to your shoes when you go barefoot in them for several days in a row? They stink. You know what happens to that stench? I promise you it does not go away. And my shoes start reeking. And I leave them out in the hallway outside my dorm room. It's like I couldn't even have the same dorm room. But next morning, you're going to get your laundry done? No, no, no. I just slip my shoes back on. And that stench followed me around campus. You know, you walk, you sit down and, and, you know, sit in the student center and all of a sudden people are like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, yeah, what is that? I don't know, that's weird. And I'm trying to tuck my feet back underneath my chair because it followed me everywhere. Guess what resentment and anger, and not letting go of the way people may have hurt us in the, in the past. Guess what that does? It continues to fester and reek, and it goes with us everywhere, and it affects our jobs, and it affects our friendships, and it affects everything that we do, because we won't forgive it and let go of it. Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. What does he say? You might have a grievance. You rightfully might have a reason to be upset at somebody for something that they did or said to you. Agreed. Forgive it anyway. Why? Because that's what he did for me. Yeah, yeah, but you don't know. You don't know what they said. You don't know what she did. You don't know how much he hurt me. You're right, I don't. All I know is what we're called to do. We're called to forgive. Because we recognize how much we've been forgiven. And if I can get, a better ha- get in a better habit of that with my family, that's going to make a huge impact. Real quick, I need, to, I need to submit. I need to stop being selfish and stop making everything about me. I need to choose to submit to you and to what you need and what would bless you. In Ephesians chapter 5 and 6, Ephesians 5, uh, Paul says, wives, uh, you know, submit to your husbands. And it says, husbands, love your wives. And in chapter 6, he says, kids, honor your parents. And parents, don't make your kids, don't exasperate them. Don't make them all upset. And before he talks about all those different relationships and how we need to interact in those different relationships, in verse 21 of chapter 5, he starts out the whole conversation by saying this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We are called in our families to stop making it all about ourselves and make it about everybody else in the family. 
Submit to one another. Figure out what other people in our families need. Why? Because we recognize that's what Jesus Christ did for us. That from his throne in heaven, he looked down and said, what do these people need? They need forgiveness. They need grace. They need acceptance. They need hope. And he left everything that he could have held on to and had every right to hold on to. He left it all to meet our needs. And Paul says, do you see that? Then because you see that, keep that in your perspective, do that for each other, especially your families. What does my spouse need from me? What do my parents need from me? What do my siblings need from me? I need to learn to submit. And lastly, I need to love. Not just with words. I mean, it's important to tell people in your family that you love them. They need to actually hear it. But it's also important to show it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 Beginning in verse 4, Paul describes love this way. He says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Here's my question. When you look at that list, does that describe how you interact with your family? Does that describe... How you treat your parents. Is that a pretty clear picture of how you treat your spouse? When it comes to my family, would my family say that I'm patient? That I'm kind? That I don't get jealous? That I'm not arrogant? I'm not rude? Just go down the list. Because Paul says, this is what love looks like. And if I'm going to love my spouse, I'm going to love my kids, I'm going to love my parents, it needs to look like this. Now, am I going to do all, whatever, 13 different things consistently all the time? No. This is what I'm shooting for. This is what I want my family to see in me. This is what I want my family to experience from me. This is who I'm called to be. If I, start, if I start trying to implement these things in my life with my family and not make any excuses for it, imagine the difference that it's going to make. So maybe it's prioritizing. Maybe it's showing more honor. Maybe it's forgiving. Maybe it's submitting. Maybe it's showing more love. Which one, which one is the one that I probably need to work on more, at least in my family? And there's some of us that might go, all of them. Okay, let's not get too overwhelmed with that. Let's pick one. What can I do a better job of this week? What can I do a better job of today? And then tomorrow, commit to that again. And the next day, commit to that again. And not make any excuses anymore. I'm going to honor my spouse. I'm going to submit to my parents. I'm going to love my family. Today. What kind of impact? would that make I guarantee you it's not just going to bless your family it's going to bless this community we could change the world if we change our interactions and our relationships with our families I'm going to wrap up there's a story in the Old Testament the book of Joshua 
about the people of Israel coming to coming out of slavery in Egypt and going all the way across the wilderness for 40 years and they get over on the other side of the Jordan River into this new land that God was given them. The first city they encounter is a city called Jericho. Huge army, lots of weapons, and huge walls surround the city. And they don't have a whole lot of weapons and they don't have engineering to deal with huge walls around the city. They don't know what to do. And God says, I got you. What I need you to do is walk in circles around the city. And he gives them a whole process of how to do that. And they do that. It's been a whole, it's been a whole week walking in circles around the city. And on the last day of, of them doing that, you all remember the story? What happens? The walls completely crumble. Now, if you pay attention to the story, God says, here's what I need you to do. I need you to do your part. Go walk in circles around the city, and I'll do my part. What was God's part? Tearing down the walls. There may be all sorts of, if I can use this illustration, walls built up between you and your spouse, between you and your kids, between you and your parents. And this built up for a while because of words, because of actions, because of attitudes, because of mistakes. And instead of looking at that, that broken relationship, instead of looking at that huge obstacle and going, there's no way that I can do anything about it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the changes I make because they're still going to be mad. It doesn't matter the things I do different because everything's going to end up being all the same. Instead of having that mindset, what if I looked at my family and even those obstacles, even those barriers between me and that other person in my family, and I said, you know what? I'm going to do what God calls me to do. I want to honor, I want to love, I want to submit, I want to do those things that God calls me to do. And I'm going to trust that he can break down that wall. It's not up to me to break it down. It's up to me to do what he calls me to do. What if we committed to that today? So here in a second, we're going to stand together. We're going to sing a song together. About God breaking down walls. About God making us new. And as we, as we stand and as we sing that song, if you are, are just being honest and looking at your own family, your own mind, your own heart right now, and you're recognizing there's things that I could be doing different, there's things that could be better, and I've known it for a while, but I keep making excuses for that. Today's the day. No more excuses. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to do things different. You're welcome to come down to the front and share that with us and to ask, would you pray for me? Would you help me? Make these changes, and we will surround you with love, with help, and support, and prayer, and anything that we can do. You are welcome to share that with us today. There is no judgment here. We want to help if we can, if that's something you need to share with us. And if you don't, if you don't come to the front, if you don't move anywhere from where you're standing while we sing, that's fine. But would you start making a commitment in your own, own heart today? No more excuses. Today, I'm going to start honoring that person in my family that I haven't shown honor to in a long time. I'm going to start making my family a more important part of my life. I'm going to let go of that stuff that I've been holding on to. I'm going to start paying more attention to what my family needs from me. My family is going to know, starting today, how much I love them. No more excuses. But if you need help with that, this church family wants to help. So let us know how. Come forward if you need to while we stand and sing.
my heart, dear Lord, tear the barrier down, show me in convicting tears the Jill Brightwell has come forward this morning and just simply shared she wants to do better. Um, you know, they got the two boys and then the twins and surviving and actually doing a great job. She and Dave are doing a great job. But she feels overwhelmed and she feels, in her words, that sometimes even trying to be the mom she's supposed to be, that she gets her joy stolen. And she wants to be better. And she wants to be better for them. And what a great, um, honest statement. And um, we're just going to pray for that. We're going to ask God to help her be better. And so we got folks that are surrounding her already. If anybody else wants to come down and be a part of this, as we, as we pray for her, you can put a hand on her or a hand on somebody that's got a hand on her. And uh, let's just lift her and, and, um, and David up to the Father this morning. And ask God to help her uh, be better and do better.
Let's pray. God, thank you. Um, just for the opportunity, for, for the willingness to, to listen to your children. With all the things that you could be focused on, with all the things, all the places your mind could go, you are willing to hear us when we cry out to you. And that's just so amazing. We're so thankful for that. And I pray that you hear Jill this morning. I pray that you hear her heart um, as she cries out to you and, and feels feels like she's not doing enough, or at least not doing it well. And God, I pray, I pray that she has a sense right now of your spirit, of, of you wrapping your arms around her and, and whispering to her, telling her over and over again, you're enough. Because, God, you make her enough. And help her to know that, help her to trust in that. But also, God, help her to commit to doing the things that you want her to do as a wife and a mom. Uh, to be better at these things that we talked about this morning. Help her, make it obvious to her the things that, that she can do different, and also to give to you the things that she can't. And God, I, I just pray that we can look back a few days, a few weeks, maybe even a few years from now, to this moment and go, look how God answered that prayer. And, and I pray that, that you just help her to, to be the mom that, that she wants to be. So thank you for her heart. Thank you for her willingness to share. And help us as a church family to be able to help her in any way we can. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. One of our shepherds, Jeremy Stobaugh, is going to come share a couple of thoughts to wrap us up. And then we'll have one more song to end. Marshall talked about family this morning and not making excuses. And this is what it's all about right here, you know. We have, uh, there's always needs in this family, and this, and this family right here is always so good about surrounding those that, that need strengthening, that need encouragement, and need support, and, and helping us get through those times. And so, uh, Jill, David, we love you guys. Definitely be thinking about you all and praying for you all. Um, well, I don't know about you all, but I feel blessed for being here this morning. Uh, what a wonderful worship service. You know, it's always, uh, I encourage everyone always to sit as close to the front as possible on a Sunday morning, because... Uh, the praise, the singing is so beautiful in the front. You can hear all the voices. Uh, so thank you, Jordan and praise team uh, this morning for leading us in the worship. Marshall, thank you for the, the series, uh, the lesson this morning. I know Marshall well enough to know that it's, it's not just by chance that he's doing this, this series on no excuses. Uh, we're leading up to our church family meeting here in a couple weeks. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, I always look forward to this time because it's, it's here at the beginning of the year. Every year we do this now like this. Uh, it's a great time for us to share the happenings of, of the church, uh, share information, but also to talk about opportunities and, and what we need, you know, in order to pursue our mission of uh, reach out and connecting and serving, uh, which is what we pursue here at Flagstone. And so we're going to do something a little bit different this year with our church meeting, and we've typically done this on Sunday evenings. We're going to do this at 9 a.m. during class time on, the, on Sunday the 29th, so here in a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll be meeting in here, uh, very similar to what we did with our insights class late last year. And so we want to encourage everyone, be making plans today. If you have other plans on that Sunday morning, try to cancel those and try to be here with us. There's going to be some very exciting things discussed in that meeting. 
And so uh, uh, I'm assuming, I'm going I'm to go out on a limb and assume we're going to record that for any that just can't make it, and you'd be able to watch that, that meeting at a later time. But I encourage everybody to be here. Uh, one thing, I'll give a little bit of a, uh, uh, whatever it's called on the Netflix shows and all that, like a cliffhanger, um, <clears throat> to entice people to come. You know, we had a, a, uh, such a wonderful uh, Insights class series later, uh, later part of last year on women's roles, and uh, we do plan to discuss that topic in this meeting here in a couple weeks. So uh, look forward to sharing that and, and, and bringing uh, Flagstone into 2023 strong. Um, so uh, please remember uh, opportunities to give that we have here at Flagstone, electronic means, and we have baskets out in the front. And I also want you to be thinking here at the beginning of 2023 about uh, giving in other ways too. You know, uh, time is something that this this family really needs from, from everyone. And so there's opportunities always to serve in some capacity here. So please be thinking about that as well in terms of giving. Let's pray one, one more time and then we'll have a closing song to finish up today. Dear Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to, to worship. And Father, we just hope that uh, this worship has been pleasing to you and uh, we know that, that this body of believers here loves you and loves being together and, and worshiping you together. Uh, Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for bringing us into this new year, and, and just may you bless this year for each of us. And uh, Father, may you put opportunities in our path for us to be shining lights and uh, to share the good news with those around us as we go about our, our lives. Father, thank you so much for the families that you've surrounded us with, whether they're in our households or in a church family or just all those that are in our inner circles. Father, thank you so much for putting those people in our lives and allowing us to have the relationships that we have there. And, and uh, from, the, from the lesson this morning, may you help us to do better in those relationships. Help us to overcome the excuses that get in the way from us doing better and just give us strength and, and wisdom and just encouragement uh, to do more for those that, that we love. Father, thank you again for this time, and thank you so much for Jesus, and it's his name that I pray. Amen. One more announcement. Um, as many of you know, uh, we send a group of teenagers to Green Valley Bible Camp every summer. Scotty Roller and myself sit on the board of that camp. And last night we met, and we are actively pursuing people to work at the camp from beginning first session all the way through the end, helping out 
with the day-to-day. That's a paid position, and we need some people to help us. Last summer, we were really strapped for people. And so we're starting this campaign to see if we can't get people to help us this summer. And so, um, you know, we talked with our camp manager, Curtis. We're looking to have folks, you know, incoming seniors to high school, outgoing seniors. That's fine, right? I mean, if you're going to be at camp, um, we'll just take the week off and you can work the rest. Um, We need people who are willing to be lifeguards, who are willing to roll up their sleeves and do some work and really serve the camp. So if that's something you're interested in and you'd like to be a part of, will you touch base with me or Scotty Roller? And that way we can, you know, get the, the camp set up for a really, really good summer. All right. Thanks so much. Let's all stand up. We'll be on our way for after one more. Father of mercies, King of all kings, even in darkness I will sing, I will sing. Because I've been set free, running out of the grave, set free, all my sin washed away, set free, breaking out of the chains, and I lie, oh my soul, lift up the name of the one who saves, he reigns forever, oh my soul, lift up your praise, I will rise and bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my.